And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! Training camp rolling along in Florham Park in the heat this week. Connor was out there at practice getting sunburned. I was in the air conditioning <laughs> of my apartment. Marissa's not in on the East Coast anymore, but but Connor had to suffer through it. This is Tim McMaster, along with the Athletics Jets reporter Connor Hughes and our producer Marissa Morris. Thanks for checking us out. If you're watching on YouTube, um, if you're watching, listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever you can do to drop in a five-star review, a plus sign, whatever you can do to help us out. We love that. Packed rundown. Uh, tonight, if you're checking out the stream or whenever you're listening, we're going to get to the latest, of course, on Zach Wilson, the roller coaster that is the rookie's first training camp. Denzel Mims and food poisoning, both lines, offensive and defensive, all of that stuff. But we got to start with this. Marissa, play the audio. <laughs> Connor, unblock me on Twitter. Code Green, unblock me. I'm sorry, Star Wars is cool. Star Wars is Star Wars is cool is definitely the best part. I wouldn't have unblocked him if not for Star Wars is cool. But that was uh, at Code Green Jets putting in all the effort at the uh, green and white scrimmage game. And Connor, you got to give us the answer. Did you unblock him? I did. I did. I did unblock him. If you're going to go through that much trouble to, to literally yes. scream at, a, at the green and white scrimmage, A, to be positioned in a spot where I can hear you. Scream, get my attention, and then also tweet me to follow up and have a swarm of other people tweet me as well. Because it was like I didn't remember, I couldn't hear what the guy said his handle was. I just heard unblock me on Twitter, and I was like, okay, you know, blah blah blah. You probably did something good to get blocked. But then when I tweeted about it after the after the scrimmage, I got like twenty five responses from other Twitter handles saying it was code green, it was code green, it was code green. So I unblocked him, and, and I got to say, it has been. A pretty cool development throughout training camp to to have the number of fans kind of reach out and just say something, whether it's, you know, hey, hello, or whether when it's open, the open practices, uh, the open scrimmage, just to hear from you guys. It's been cool. And also to like the the cool add on is that like this is the first time since 2019 that there's been fans. And, and this isn't a humble brag, but like, obviously, you know, I've, I've been active on social media throughout my time on this beat. So people do know my face. So when they see me at one of these jet open practices, you hear the hey, you know, love the show, love the this. Oh, congratulations, like your writing, that kind of a thing, which is cool. But what's awesome now is also hearing them say, I love the podcast. And knowing that they're loyal, can't wait listeners, can't wait for the podcast, whereas Tim and Marissa, hearing all those types of things at the stadium was hearing, you know, congratulations on getting married, all that kinds of stuff. So uh, anytime people scream out positive things, I do like it. I think it's cool. And, and it's it's cool to interact and talk to the fans. Like there was a a guy who came down to practice today, which was another one, was open to the public and, and made a comment about, hey, Connor, love the podcast, love the writing. I got to get those people on Twitter off of your back. So if you say that, that's extra brownie points. So I, I don't know how many more open practices the Jets have, but anytime people jump out and say, 
hello or they jump out and say love the writing love the athletic love the, it's always it's always really cool to hear and it's always kind of surreal and and awesome I, I gotta i'm not gonna not gonna lie about that it's a it's a it's a fun cool thing and this probably took the cake as far as being yelled at to uh to unblock him on twitter that was another big positive just a warning though to code green out there wherever you are if you're listening uh blocktober is coming very soon and connor tends to get a little chippy in season so just just be careful Tread that's gonna lightly. happen if we people don't want keep... you to get blocked again i'm gonna do it again if people don't stop with this denzel mims crap that they keep getting me on about i report like the facts and just write what i see and, and suddenly i'm a hater and all this other stuff so the, the the denzel mims clan that's been in my mentions are gonna be the next ones that end up getting blocked we are going to talk about denzel mims but before we get to mims we should start what we usually do well big picture first before we get to zach wilson and an update there um today Light practice. It was hot. It was over 90 yeah. in the city. I'm not sure what it was in Florham Park, um, but I know on the field, it gets really hot when the heat's beating down. Um, seven on sevens, mostly light practice. Tomorrow, it's going to be even hotter. And it sounds kind of like it's going to be one of the toughest practices of training camp. They're going to have to be careful with that. Yeah, they're going to ramp it up. I mean, yeah, so- solid talk today about you know how you're going to have to, or it might have been yesterday, all these days blend together, about keeping hydrated and all that stuff. But yeah. the one thing that I, I think he's done a good job with, and maybe we'll see how it how it pans out once the actual season starts and, and how this one pans out once we actually are having games and we see if the Jets are winning football games or if they're a competitive football team. But he's done an interesting job this year of – staggering when the intensity comes up and when he dials the intensity back and when he dials it up and when he dials it back. So on Tuesday, it was a much more intense practice. It was fully padded. There was an abundance of team drills. There was an abundance of drive the field drills. There was all that stuff, right? It was intense. It was intense. It was intense. It was intense. Uh, I think he said the starting offense and defense saw about 45 snaps of full contact against each other. So in past practices and in past training camps I've been to, the next day wouldn't necessarily be a take the foot off the gas day. It would be, at worst case, at least uppers, no lowers. You know, they would just and they would still be banging into each other. Sala, whenever there's been a padded practice, he's followed it with a lighter practice. Whenever there's been that high intensity, the next one's been pads off, take it easy, more seven on sevens, not eleven on elevens. Knock wood, there has been significantly less injuries this year than any training camp I can really remember. Aside from Elijah Vera Tucker, there isn't another Jets starter or another prominent Jets player that has missed a significant amount of time. You got basically your entire offensive line, your entire receiving core, running backs and quarterbacks. Defensively, entire secondary, entire defensive line minus Quinn and Williams who got hurt in the offseason and everything like that. And even more so than that, there's been no fights. And this is the first training camp I can remember where we are into the third week of training camp and there's not been an intense helmet off fist throwing fight. There was a little bit of a skirmish like a couple weeks ago, but I mean, it wasn't even a full skirmish. Trevon Wesco looked at one point like he came up ready to hit somebody, but that was kind of it. I mean, there hasn't been a fight. In fact, the one time I thought there was going to be was on Tuesday when LaMichael P. Ryan lowered his shoulder and bowled over LaMarcus Joyner. He got up screaming. LaMarcus Joyner got up screaming. Next thing I know, they're bro-hugging each other like, yeah, you just ran me over. Great hit. And they each went to their own sidelines. I've never seen anything like it before. And I asked Salah about it today, and he said he thinks it's because that there's a legit understanding of respect between this team. And, and there's a legit understanding of camaraderie within this team. But 
more so than that, I also think that they're not allowing the tensions to get so high that that fists are thrown. You know, there's not that tension rises with a padded practice. Then the very next day, you're going right back at it again. She's on there, going right back at it again. She's on there, going right back at it. They give these guys a chance to get the blood flowing, get the intensity up, but then they reel it back in. Now, will that be the case when they've joined practices against the Packers? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's probably when you're going to see some fights because there's always fights when there's joint practices. But at least it's been different and unique to see the way that these practices are structured and the way that they kind of uh, balance these intense practices, not intense practices, intense practices, not intense practices. And then also when they kind of will, uh, uh, the the way that it's kind of interacted within the, the teammates and the camaraderie. Well, fights when you're doing practices against other teams. I mean, that's a whole other interval. That's good. That builds up team camaraderie instead of just like yeah. offensive camaraderie versus defense camaraderie. We're all in it together uh, fighting the Packers. So that, uh, to me, that's fine. But hey, imagine that. Not pushing guys to the limit day after day actually keeps them healthier. Crazy thought. Um, the, the NFL is getting smarter. They are slowly getting smarter. Oh. It's good to see. Um, so as far as quarterbacks go, Zach Wilson... Um, the roller coaster ride, I guess we'll call it at this point, because he's now in that area that I think we all suspected we'd get to at some point, even though he was so good in OTAs, that the guy's a rookie. He's going to have good days. He's going to have bad days. Uh, unfortunately, the green and white scrimmage, not a great day. You would love to see him shine in that one. But uh, 11 for 24, 112 yards, a couple of picks there. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, and you had it in one of your, I don't know if it was yesterday's story or before that was just the fact that the defense had the defense installed before the offense completely had the offense installed. So basically, the defense had it all coming at Zach Wilson while he was still learning things for the first time. And that's a factor too, right? I mean, there's going to be the up and downs anyway, but to me, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think there's there's three things that have kind of resulted in the hiccups that we've seen from Wilson, right? I, I think there's primarily, I think there's primarily three things that, that have resulted in the, in the hiccups. And the first one is what you mentioned, is that up until the green and white scrimmage, the offense has been installing different things every single day. So unlike the defense, which as you mentioned, has, has been installed and they've been repeating everything and getting more comfortable and not thinking because they've been doing and doing and doing and repetition and repetition and repetition, Zach Wilson in the offense on Tuesday was seeing something new than what they practiced on Monday. And on Wednesday, they were practicing new than they did on Tuesday. And Thursday, they were practicing new than they did on Wednesday. The green and white scrimmage was the final day of that installation. That at, at that point, once the green and white scrimmage was over, the entire offense had been handed to them. So since then, since the green and white scrimmage, the Jets had their day off and now they've had three practices in a row and they'll have another one on Thursday. They have now been repeating or starting to repeat, which means that Wilson is going to have a chance to benefit the same way that the defense did with repetition, where this isn't the first time he's running this play. This is now the second or third time he's running this play. This isn't the first time he's practiced this particular situation. It's now the second or third time he's practiced that particular situation. The more he reps it, the more he does it, the more comfortable you're going to get, and the less he's going to be thinking he's just going to get going out there and doing. It's not going to be you know, uh, 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 taking a moment to, to, to what should I do. It's all going to be secondhand knowledge. It's all going to come to him instantly where he's going to see the read. Now, okay, well, I've seen that before. When the defense did that, I went there. That didn't work. So now I'm going to counter and do this. He's going to be taking from his pool of what he has tried and didn't work and then implementing it more elsewhere. So 
that's that's a big piece of it is that he's kind of been going throughout this learning curve and going throughout this installation period when the defense has already had everything installed. Um, the second area that I think has resulted in some hiccups is, and we've talked about this and we've written it a ton on The Athletic, which you guys should subscribe if you don't already, is that beginning with, I believe it was the Jets' seventh camp practice, I think it was either after the sixth or after the seventh, I forget the exact date, the Jets began running a, a string of and an ever-increasing string of live drills in practice. And I don't mean live drills in terms of tackling. I don't mean live drills in terms of full contact. Nobody's being brought to the ground. But beginning in that seventh practice, the Jets weren't running plays offensively that were scripted. So the way that things worked throughout OTA's minicamp in the first you know week or so at training camp is that the Jets would have their offensive team meetings, their quarterback meetings, their full team offensive meetings. And Mike LaFleur would stand up there and Rob Calabrese would stand up there and they would say, okay, these are the plays we're going to run in this drill. These are the plays we're going to run in this drill. These are the plays we're going to run in this drill. So Zach had a chance to know what was coming, mentally prepare for what was coming, go through it in the walkthrough to begin practice, and then go out there and actually rep it. So there was a a comfortability that was there because he knew what was coming. He had mentally prepared for what was coming. He He had learned it and repped it in his head learned it and repped it in meetings, learned it and repped it in the walkthrough, and then gone out there and did it, right? So that's going to help. Beginning on that seventh practice, the Jets started to stop doing that. And by starting to stop doing that, they went to live play calling. So the first time that Zach Wilson learned of the play that the Jets were going to run was when Mike LaFleur radioed it into his head. That's a difference. That's a next step that a young quarterback has to take, but that's another step that a young quarterback has to get comfortable doing. He has to get used to hearing Michael Floor in his ear. He has to get used to hearing Michael Floor uh, manage a practice as if he would manage a game and know that this play sets up this play and that play sets up this one and that's going to set up this. He has to learn how to do all those things and, and it's going to take the speed aspect and slow it a little bit down because again, now Zach is learning the play. He's got to think through the play in real time before the play clock runs down, run it against the defense, make a change if he has to make a change and then go through it. It's not to say he can't do it. It's not to say that he won't do it. It's not to say that he's bad bad to do it. It's just saying that he needs to learn and get used to doing it, which he has now started to do since that seventh practice as he's done it more and more and more. The third thing that I think is slowing him down, and it's a very real thing, this offensive line is pass blocking like Garbo. Like it really, it's like, I'm not kidding when I say that this, that I mean, Carl Lawson himself gets two to three sacks a practice. I've never heard of a pass rusher. I've never seen in my eight years on this beat a pass rusher doing that. I've seen pass rushers have good practices where they'll get two. I've seen good practices or good strings of practices where a pass rusher will routinely be in the backfield. But it is every single practice in team drills, Carl Lawson is getting through two or three times himself. If Carl Lawson weren't getting there so fast, John Franklin Myers would be there, or Foley Fatukasi would be there, or, or Sheldon Rankins would be there. God God knows what's going to happen when Kuna Williams gets healthy next week and gets in there. So uh, not only is Zach Wilson having to deal with the install. And not only is Zach Wilson having to deal with learning to go- hear the live plays in his head and getting used to that, but he's also dealing with the fact that this defensive line's making his life miserably miserable because of how quickly they're getting in the backfield. So he's dealing with all of these learning and all this new installation and all this, and then he's having to to to, to go through it all in rapid succession and rapid fire because that defensive line is just pushing the pocket and collapsing the pocket and getting through. And and 
I know we're going to talk about Mekhi Becton and Carl Lawson a little bit, so I'm not going to going to hammer on it now and, and all those kinds of things. We're going to talk about this offensive line, which has shown a very, very impressive ability to run block, not so much pass block. But I think those three things are all combining to not stunt Zach Wilson's growth, but to have him on this roller coaster of perfect example, Tuesday's practice. Zach Wilson drops back. It was my lead for the practice story that day. Zach Wilson drops back, feels the pressure, steps up in the pocket, rolls out left, flicks his wrist in a way that we saw in his pro day and all marveled and googly-eyed and and went crazy at in his pro day. Flicks his wrist. The ball goes all the way down the field to Tyler Croft, perfectly accurate for what would have been a touchdown. All Croft had to do was open his fingers and the ball was there, right? Gorgeous play. Every single person would have written about the play. It would have been the lead of everyone's column, everyone's practice report. The reason it was only the lead of my practice report is because before Wilson stepped up in the pocket and flicked his wrist, Carl Lawson tapped him on the shoulder for a sack. So it would have been a touchdown. It would have been a glorious touchdown. It would have made everyone start tweeting and firing off, wow, what a throw by Zach Wilson, wow, wow, wow. Instead, it was Zach Wilson sacked. That's the kind of stuff that's holding him back some now. But it's also the kind of stuff that you want him to see now because he's going to get used to dealing with pressure. I mean, obviously, you don't want him to be slapped in the face so he develops happy feet in the pocket. You don't want that. But you do want him to develop this, get used to it, get used to seeing a rush, get used to maneuvering a rush and getting past it. But if it wasn't for those three things, I honestly, I think those two things we talked about with learning the offense and hearing the live drills, that's slowing him down a bit. And then obviously the pass rushes as well. One thing you want to see from your quarterback is chemistry developed with receivers. And I think we all assumed Elijah Moore would be the guy, right? That just both being rookies and going through that experience together that he would go to, go to, go to. But Corey Davis is kind of becoming that that safety net for him so far. I will say um, before we like move on, and I, I do want to make this like very clear, Zach Wilson doesn't look bad. Like I've seen... Right. Bad. I watched Christian Hackenberg in 2016 and 2017. I watched Bryce Petty. Okay, I watched Geno Smith. I watched Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2016. He was pretty good in 15, but 2016. I've seen Josh McCown. Like, I've seen... I jo- take Josh out of that. Josh actually was pretty good. Um, I've seen bad quarterback play. I've seen rookie quarterbacks floundering and drowning and looking like a fish out of water. I've seen bad. This isn't bad. I don't think that Zach throughout training camp looks as good as Sam Darnold did because where I think Sam Darnold really grasped, I mean, he started to, I think that's the question everyone wants. Yeah. I would say Sam looked better at this point. Like, and, and Sam, I do. And I think that Sam looked better at this point in training camp. I think Sam was kind of coming now. Granted, Sam was working in with the first team and Sam wasn't dealing with the pass rush that Zach's dealing with, but Sam looked a little bit more um, pro ready. And you saw him like Sam's first preseason game against the Falcons Granted, it was against the second team, but he made a couple plays where he went through three, four reads, came around the corner and threw a pass to the sideline. And I remember tweeting out like rookie quarterbacks don't usually do that. And and I remember Samini got on me because he was like, well, they do when they're playing the third string defense. And like, yeah, but still, <laughs> it was good to see him go through that. And then they had uh, the game against Washington and the joint practices against Washington. They did a drive the field drill against Washington where um, Washington's starting defense and Sam took him right down the field for a touchdown. And then the next series took him right down the field for a field goal. And then in the preseason game, did similar things. And you were like, okay, wow, this is starting to click for the kid. I haven't seen that starting to click for the kid moment with Zach Wilson. I haven't seen that starting to come along moment for Zach Wilson yet. But what I have seen is like not bad play. There's been good, 
followed by bad. There's been positive followed by negative. It's been the full roller coaster. There's been as many downs as ups, which obviously you don't want to see. It hasn't been as clean as at times it was with Sam Darnold in his first training camp. But you can see there's enough there to work with. And I can tell you that people within that building that I've talked to, they haven't lost any faith. They know it's eventually going to click for the kid. It's just a matter of when and sticking with it and sticking with it and sticking with it. And obviously, you see the things where he's in at 6 a.m. and out at 9 and 10 p.m. He's studying film religiously. He studies film when he's in the building. He studies film when he's home. I mean, he eats, sleeps, and breathes football. Salah said it. He's in love with this process. It's just a matter of sticking with that process and seeing that process all the way through. And, and I don't think it's fully clicked yet. But he's a rookie quarterback, and not everyone's going to be Justin Herbert. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I do want to make it clear that, like, he doesn't look bad. He doesn't look awful. He doesn't look like he can't play. And at no point has he looked like, oh, man, this is just the game's too big for him. It's never looked like that. He just hasn't had that string of really good practices. Like, perfect example is, like, that 80-yard touchdown he threw to Elijah Moore on the first practice that was open to the fans. I think that's the last drive-the-field, full-field touchdown this offense has scored. Like, it just hasn't been super clean, and it hasn't been super clean for the myriad of reasons we just discussed. So why has Corey Davis – what has Corey Davis done to kind of become that guy that that Wilson looks to, other than be lined up as wide receiver one? Yeah, I, I, I he's just – he's – you know, Salah said this when we talked to him about Corey Davis not too long ago, and, and he said what Corey – Davis does is nothing super spectacular. And what I mean by that is he's never going to reach up and make the absurd one-handed grab like Beckham would. He's never going to take the slant 95 yards for a touchdown like we saw Elijah Moore do during OTAs. He's never going to wow you with his route running. He's never going to blow you away with his with his athleticism. He's never going to do that. But what Davis does is everything really, really well. And what he does is everything fundamentally and technically sound. So when he runs, when his route is supposed to be run at five yards, it's run at five yards. He's excellent at using his big body to shield off defenders and create a window for the quarterback. When the ball is in his vicinity, he's great at making those 50-50 catches. He's a big body guy so he can box people out. For a young quarterback, that's so beneficial. I go back to when like the Giants signed Plaxico Burris for Eli Manning. And Plaxico had a terrible work ethic. But he was that big-bodied wideout that the pass didn't have to be perfect, and he could still come down with it. That's what Corey kind of reminds me of to a lesser extent, where you'll see Zach go to him time and time and time and time and time again in the red zone because he has that ability to create a little bit of space, and a little bit of space when you're a big-bodied receiver like Corey Davis is a lot of bit of space. And uh, Elijah Moore, obviously, I think is, is still somebody that we talk about all the time, although he's kind of not come back down to earth and, and he's still making plays and making plays and making plays. We can only make so many plays when the quarterback's getting sacked five or six times a practice. Um, but Corey, I think is somebody who's starting to establish himself as that safety net for Zach Wilson, which I thought Jamison Crowder would develop into. It's actually starting to be Corey Davis. And when all things kind of go wrong, when he needs a play, when he needs the slant, when he needs something in the red zone, when he needs something along those lines, you're starting to see Corey become that player. And again, he's one of those guys that's, very fundamentally sound. He's big bodied. He's sure handed. If it's in his area and he gets his hands on it, he's going to catch it. And for a young rookie quarterback, that is so, 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 so valuable. And, and you're starting to see that happen time and time again at Jets Camp. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know who should have been eating Magic Spoon instead of salmon this summer, Connor? <laughs> Den- Denzel Mims should have stuck to the Magic Spoon. Pre-recorded spots haven't stunted you with your transitions, let me tell you. <laughs> I had all that time to think about it instead of reading. Uh, yeah, so Denzel Mims uh, lost 20 pounds, we now know. Um, he's obviously not had a good summer. He's been down with the third team at times. He's with the second team at times. Um he has made some plays as of late. So how much do you put into the food poisoning? And I know people are going to start piling on you in the chat here anyway. Oh my God, like I, I've never like I've never seen a player have such like a loyal, like out of nowhere, loyal. I mean, I've been attacked ruthlessly for just <laughs> writing like what I've seen. Like people like the wildest part is like, here's the thing, man. It's like when. OTA started, he was out because he had the sickness. And and we talked about it here, that he had a stomach bug. He lost a ton of weight because he had the stomach bug and he had the ton of weight and he was getting sick and all these things. He he was unable to study the playbook. Like we literally said it on this podcast that it's hard to study the playbook when you're praying to the porcelain God every night. Like we, like I know I dropped that line on this po- podcast, right? I couldn't say that it was bad salmon because the person that told me it was bad salmon told me it was off the record. So I couldn't like say, oh, he had bad salmon from the cafeteria and that's what gave him the food poisoning. Like I couldn't say that until now Mims went out in this conference today and said to the world, I had bad salmon from the cafeteria and it put me under, right? So he lost 20 pounds. So he ends up coming back. But here's the thing. When he returned from the, the food poisoning that he got from the salmon, he was still rotating in with the ones and working with the twos. So he was the second team receiver and would rotate him with the ones in OTAs and minicamp. When training camp, or towards the end of minicamp, it was just the twos, no ones. When at minicamp, at training camp, it suddenly became no ones, just twos, sometimes threes. A week ago, it was only threes. Sometimes he was working with the twos. He never saw any reps with Zach Wilson at all. Now, at least he's starting to, with the third group of receivers, rotate in. But here's the thing that I keep telling people. I was like, oh, Denzel Mims caught a touchdown. You hate Denzel Mims. I don't hate Denzel Mims. I've reported, or not even reported, I've observed and written everything that I've seen. There are five receivers that go in before Denzel Mims. Five receivers. That makes him the sixth receiver. Does he sometimes rotate in with Zach Wilson? Yeah, he sometimes rotates in with Zach Wilson. When he's next to the sixth receiver who's rotated in with Zach Wilson. We have not seen Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore. We have not seen Denzel Mims and Corey Davis. We have not seen Denzel Mims with the first grouping of receivers. He's played sometimes with the quarterback when he's rotated in with the fifth and sixth guys. So what I tweeted was that where somebody asked me, like, where do you see Denzel Mims on this roster? I said, the sixth wide receiver, because that's the grouping he's paired with this entire time. Or if the Jets decide to trade him for somebody else where he's going to be a better fit on the offense. 
I don't care what like all these people on Twitter, like, oh, you don't know what this offense needs. Yeah, dude, I do. Because I've talked to a ton of people over in the NFC West who were design who designed defenses and tried to design defenses to shut down this 49ers offense. Obviously, it was very hard to do it, but in trying to figure out how to shut it down, they've had to figure out what it needs to work. And what it needs is route runners that are great yards after catch guys and guys that are great route runners and guys that are great route runners and guys that are great yards after catch guys. Those two things that I repeated, that's what they need to make this offense work. That's why Corey Davis, a great route runner, works. That's why they went out and they prioritized Elijah Moore to basically be their Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. Like, that's what they want. Denzel Mims is a linear player. Denzel Mims is a great 50-50 guy. Denzel Mims is a great guy who is so fast he can outrun people deep. He can't get open. You want to know how I know? I walked off the field with a referee that covered the practice. The, what, like the, the One of the early training camp practices, and I was picking his mind out. What do you see? He's been a referee for this team for 20-something years. He looked at me and he goes, man, that number eight, Elijah Moore, kid's going to be pretty damn good. Number 11, couldn't get open against me. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not a great, I'm not making this shit up. This isn't my head looking at him. I talk to people. That's part of my job. I talk to people in this field. I talk to people in this business. I talk to coaches. I talk to scouts to get an idea of what makes this guy good and what makes the guy bad. And it's not that he's a bad player. He's great linear player. He's great making contested catches. He's a great deep threat. That's why Joe Douglas drafted him because that's what Adam Gase wanted his receivers to do. It's a new scheme. It's a different scheme. And I'm sorry, but if he was this great route runner and he was this perfect player, he wouldn't be working sixth in the rotation. It's just a fact. So yeah, there's a, he, should he be on this team? In my opinion, yeah, because while he's not going to be the starter and he's not going to see 50 snaps a game, he does have a valuable skill set that you can use where you can put him in in the red zone. You can put him in on third downs. You can put him in in certain packages where you want him to stretch the field and you can use him to his strengths. That's what Mike LaFleur is going to do. That's what Mike LaFleur is going to try to do. That's what Mike LaFleur wants to do. And he's a good offensive coordinator. He's going to be a hell of a head coach. And that's why he's going to, like, he's better than Adam Gase is because Adam Gase was like, oh, you can't. I want my receiver to this. You do X. I want my receiver to do X. You do Y and Z. Well, no, you're no good. I need to find a receiver that can go X. Like that's what that's what like he wants. Like that's what Adam Gates would do. It's not Michael Floor will look at Denzel Mims say Denzel Mims does these three things. Well, I'm going to put him in a position to do that. But if the Jets look at their roster and say, you know, what? we really like Lawrence Cage or we really like Vincent Smith, we like, you know, there's a chance maybe they try to trade him for a pick. Do I think it's likely? No, I think he makes this team has the sixth wide receiver and is thrown in in certain packages. But these people that are on my ass over like, oh, it's un- it's absurd, man. Like, I haven't said the guy sucks. I haven't said the guy can't play. I haven't said the guy's not good. I said this offense prioritizes something that Denzel Mims doesn't do particularly well. He's not a great route runner. He's a great 50-50 deep threat. And that's a very valuable thing for receivers. There are receivers that make $10 million a year that aren't pristine, immaculate route runners like Antonio Brown. That's just the case. But like, to, to say like, oh, he's not, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm so, so over it. Like, you're talking about Blocktober? It's going to be Block August because like, I'm through with this. Like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Dude, I, it's not me. Like, here's the thing. When I, st- when I got this job, like when I first started covering the NFL in 2014, I went in saying, I know football as well as anyone else. With more coaches you talk to, the more players you talk to, the more scouts you talk to, you realize that they understand this game on a rocket science level. And even the most impressive reporters and even the most impressive film junkie guys are really just advanced algebra compared to how these guys know the game. So I stopped doing film reviews. I stopped doing X's and O's. I stopped breaking down the film because I don't know the game the way that these guys do. So instead of me trying to, oh, I'm being all egotistical and, and in my own head, like, oh, I'll break down this film. I'll break down all this shit. I'll do all this, blah, 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 blah. No, I talk to people who know it more than I do, a, a, 
a, a positive attribute. I've been able to just because I've been in this field for eight years and you meet people and you know people and I listen to what they tell me and I, I relay what they tell me to somebody else and I get it confirmed. And it's just that's how I formulate my opinions. I don't formulate it on myself. I formulate it from people that know the game better than I do. And that's where I get this shit. I don't pull it out of my ass. Like I get it because I talk to people. Like truthfully, that's the thing. And like it just drives me nuts when like I, I it's I, again, I never said the guy sucks. I never said the guy's not good. I never said the guy's not play. I just said there are players on this scheme, on this offense that fit the scheme better. That's why Keelan Cole, since OTAs, has been working in front of him. It's just a fact. And I'm sorry, but random jobber in my mentions who's like, you don't know what you're talking about. How many practices have you been to, dude? Like, I've been to every goddamn one but two when Marissa's cousin got married. Like, that's the only two I've missed. And coincidentally, it was Zach Wilson's first best practice. So you guys can connect those dots. And I'm like the jinx for Zach Wilson. But, like, seriously, like, I'm just over it. So, no, do I think he's going to get traded? I think there's an outside chance that he could get traded. Do I think he's going to get cut? No, I don't think he's going to get cut. But he's clearly the fifth or sixth guy in the rotation. And even though he's sometimes seeing reps with Zach Wilson, he's still working in the same capacity that he has dating back to not even OTAs because he was doing more and working ahead of people in OTAs compared to where he is now. Rant over. I, I, was, gonna, I was actually... I know. Yeah. Thank Yoga you, pose. I, <laughs> I was going to ask a follow-up, but I'm not going to now because we don't have enough show left. Uh, yeah. But that was that was a good rant. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the lines. Um, enough, yeah, enough enough mims. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. The chat room certainly did. Uh, good stuff. Um, so talking about the lines, and we'll talk about both sides, left, and then we'll go to the right side. But starting on the left, um, it's something we've continued to talk about. You talked about it at the beginning, Carl Lawson's utter dominance and yeah. it brings up this question of like is is carl lawson going to be lawrence taylor in 2021 <laughs> probably probably not so what are we supposed to be thinking about makai becton who we know is a very is a huge human being and was very good as a rookie so there's no reason to think makai becton is not a good player but is it that he's just a bad matchup with carl lawson i just don't get how he can get burned i got it at the beginning that hey this guy's gonna come at you you gotta hit back but it seems like that's not happening and it's just makai becton getting burned play after play after play if i hear that it's a bad matchup for makai becton one more time and i hear it's it's a go-to line chris nimbley who i love like he's he says this all the time to me i'm literally you think i just had a rant i'm going to explode i am so over about bad matchup i'm so over it's he's too tiny for my I, I have it here i like too tiny. i sent this picture to like daryl and andy so everyone's like oh my god it's just because he's six two so it's such a bad matchup it's such a bad matchup for makai back and he's six two if he was six four like and he's oh suddenly he's not under size this is two inches this is so this is what's separating right there not even this pink part this this is what's separating makai Beckton from being able to block carl lawson Compared to my just for the people who are listening on the podcast, I have a tape measure. Yes, Connor has actually brought a prop, a tape yeah. measure to the this. show because he knew this question was coming. This, no, it's, it's just and he doesn't even look at the rundown. Yeah, he just this. knew this question was coming. This, I just remember, I sent this picture to one of my friends the other day, and so like I just knew it was sitting here. This is what's stopping Carl Lawson or Makai Becton from being able to block Carl Lawson because he's six two and not six four. So this, yep. Like I'm sorry, like look, Carl Lawson's a hell of a player. Like, I, I think that he is a disruptive nightmare. There's a chance that you can loop him in with top 15, top 10 defensive ends in the NFL, right, by the end of the year. Like, you, if, if he if he gets to a 10, 12 sack season, if he gets 11 sacks, something like that, 
people will be talking about him as a top 10, top eight pass rusher. But he is not Nick Bosa. He's not Zadarius Smith right now. He's not Khalil Mack. I mean, you can go down the list of players, TJ Watt, like you can go down the list of players that are better pass rushers than him right now. Like, he's a very disruptive player. The Jets called him, like, the Jets are obsessed with him, and they think they got such, like, unbelievable, like, they're they're so excited and so pumped about the player they've gotten. But this, like, iron sharpens iron. This, like, oh, he's making it, like, I get it. And people, again, this is like, I'm going, like, but this isn't iron sharpening iron, man. This is like somebody getting beaten overhead with an iron bar every day. Like, seriously, that's what this <laughs> is. Like, it's, I've never seen a player get beat three sacks, two to three sacks every single day and matchup nightmare, matchup this, matchup that. If you are a player that is believed to have all pro potential, if you're a player that is believed to have pro bowl potential, if you are a player that is believed to be somebody that can one day be a franchise left tackle and one of the top five left tackles in the NFL, I'm sorry, but you should still be able to block Carl Lawson. Like you should still be able to block him. And like, I saw somebody tweet at me today. They were like, Oh, I saw, you know, uh, Makai Becton got the better of Carl Lawson more times than not today. Zach Wilson dropped back to pass 11 times and Carl Lawson had a sack. Okay. We're not talking about in 200 pass blocking, in 200 pass blocking snaps, Carl Lawson beats Makai Becton for two sacks at a hundred pass rushes. Could you imagine? Like, so you say that's, that's one sack and 10 dropbacks. That means it's three sacks and 30 dropbacks, right? So if Makai Becton was giving up three sacks a Sunday, does that mean he beat him because he beat him on not the third on the 27 other dropbacks he blocked Carl Lawson, but on the three? No. If you're giving up three sacks a Sunday, two sacks a Sunday, one sack every game, that's not good. That means that he's going to finish the season allowing 16 sacks. That's bad. Now, am I ready to sound the alarm and, and wave it and go crazy and go, oh my God, no. No, I'm not, because I still I want to see Makai Becton go up against Darius Smith in Green Bay. I want to see him go up against Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and all the well, Fletcher Cox plays inside, but Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett when they do the joint practices with the Eagles. I want to see those things. And if he shuts down Darius Smith and then he shuts down Brandon Graham and then he shuts down Derek Barnett, then you know what? I'll be eased. I will be completely eased and be like, you know what? He's going to be fine. He's going to be perfectly fine. I'm not worried about it at all. But these people that just brush off this as nothing as it's a matchup problem as iron sharpening iron that stupid cliche as the like all like that they just brush it off as oh don't worry about it. it's just training camp i've covered eight training camps i have never seen a guy get beat two to three times every single practice and is it alarming a little bit is it reason for concern i don't know but it's definitely an asterisk heading into those packer practices next week it's definitely a note to make heading into those Packer practices next week. Because if Zadarius Smith starts beating Becton and getting by for two sacks, or if he beats him for a sack of practice, what are we going to be saying? Like, you can't just brush this off as Carl Lawson is a matchup nightmare. That drives me nuts because we're not talking about Makai Becton in the sense of he's Jag. He's just another guy. We're not talking about Makai Becton as a guy who's just a competent, okay left tackle. He is a guy that was drafted 11th overall to be an all-pro, pro-bowl, top-tier franchise left tackle. And if you were an all-pro, top-tier, all-pro, pro-bowl left tackle, if that's what you are, and that's what you believe you are, Carl Lawson should not be beating you for three sacks every single day. It shouldn't be happening. Am I wrong? 
if we go into these Packer practices and he stuffs Zedarius Smith and we go into the, the, the practice against the Eagles and he stuffs Brandon Graham and we go into the regular season and he shuts down the Panthers rush and he shuts down the Falcons rush and he shuts down the Patriots rush and he starts doing all those things, I'll be the first one to come here and say, you know what? Iron sharpened iron. That's the sharpest goddamn iron I've ever seen. No, no, I was wrong. I'll be the first person to say it. I've said it before. I have no problem saying it again. I was wrong. You were right. Iron sharpened iron was totally off base. You're right. But right now, it is an asterisk, and it's the top thing that I am going to watch in these joint practices because I'm sorry. It shouldn't happen three times a day. I know I've never seen a TJ Watt rush before. I know I've never seen a, a Khalil Mack rush before in training camp. I know I've never seen Aaron Donald rush in training camp. But I've seen decent rushers come through one Jets drive. Leonard Williams was here during his seven-sack season. Muhammad Wilkerson was here during his 11-sack season. Sheldon Richardson was here when he was a defensive rookie of the year. Uh, there were flashes from guys like Dylan Donahue. All he did materialize, he still had a really good training camp practice. There was flashes from Lorenzo Mullen before things went south with him. Like, there have been good players and players who have flashed. And I've seen good rushes and I've seen good players. I've seen those players, Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams. I've seen those guys get through and create havoc on a quarterback. But I've never seen it happen at the rate that it is happening with Carl Lawson. Is Carl Lawson a good player? Yes. Is Carl Lawson a very good player? Yes. Does Carl Lawson have the chance to develop into a great player with the Jets if he can get those sack numbers up up to 10, 11, 12? Yes. Is Carl Lawson a guy who spent the last three years hitting quarterbacks, hitting quarterbacks, hitting quarterbacks? Absolutely. But he's also a guy who has never had nine sacks in a season. He's a guy who's never had double-digit sacks in a season. He's never been that guy yet. So the fact that a player who has never had double-digit sacks is getting three sacks every single every single day, every single day against your franchise hopeful left tackle, it's absolutely a little bit of a concern and a little noteworthy. And again, not ready to sound the alarms until I see it against the Packers and, and, and Eagles, but it's absolutely something that like brushing it off is silly. Brushing it off and not paying any note to it, it's silly. It is silly because I've never seen it before. People who have done this longer than me have never seen it before. And it's not just Carl Lawson being good. And it's not just Carl Lawson being a matchup problem. Because again, we're talking about 6'2 and 6'4. It's that much of a difference. That's that. This is what's stopping Makai Becton from, from blocking Carl Lawson is because he's 6'2 and not 6'4. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't. Well, my Eagles pod, they've been talking a lot about Josh Sweat and how he's been having a really good camp down there in Philly. So yeah, so find out if Josh Sweat. will be a good test for him. Who's their left tackle? Who's the Eagles left? Or Lane Johnson. Find out if Josh Sweat's beaten Lane Johnson three times a day. Because Lane Johnson is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. Find out how many times he's getting beat. Guarantee it's not three of practice. It's it's alarming. It's alarming. Like it's 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 every day. And again. You don't like some. I the, I was I was literally laughing. I was laughing as I was leaving when somebody's like, "I heard Becton got the better of Carl Lawson today." Zach Wilson dropped back ten times and Becton got beat once. So one out of ten dropbacks, Becton already got beat for a sack. That's that's not good. That's not beating him. You're like the, the, the beating him is when Carl Lawson has like one sack every two or three practices. That I'd say like okay, they're each they're each battling it out. They're getting and maybe like there's one practice where Lawson has two sacks. But then Becton shuts him down for the next three before Lawson comes back again. That's not what's happening at One Jets Drive. It's not. It's every single practice, pads or no pads, Becton's getting beat two or three times. All right, let's just, and we got to get to a break in a minute, but uh, quickly before we do that, let's jump across to the other side of the line where there is a 
competition, Connor, Morgan yeah. Moses and George Font. Talk about it because I think when it was first stated, everybody was like, yeah, sure, there's a competition until they decide that it's Moses' job. But but just kind of sum up what's going on there and, and how Fant is playing. Uh, well, I was stunned. I mean, yeah, when the Jets said that, they're like, oh, we signed him. It's an open competition. I was like, okay. Like, yeah, no, no, it's not. Like, you just signed Morgan Moses. You brought him in here. That's cute. You want to, like, make your, your captain last year feel good. But, like, no, it's not. Like, he's going to be the swing tackle and Morgan Moses going to be the right tackle. But, no, I mean, since Fant came back off the COVID list, it has been a full rotation. It has been Moses, then Fant, then Moses, then Fant then Moses, then fan. And they're constantly rotating. Now, what I will say is that it's very hard to analyze that level of a competition because the only time an offensive lineman can really pop in training camp is when, like we just talked about, they're routinely getting beat. So when they are routinely getting beat, that's when you look, you say, okay, this guy got a sack. He beat this guy for the sack. That's when you can watch it. We don't have like when the preseason comes and the regular season comes and we have the aid of instant replay and we can watch the all 22s and go back and watch the same play four times to see how does he do? How does he do? How does he do? We don't have the luxury of doing that. So we only get it in real time. I saw Fant get beat in the green and white scrimmage for a sack once. I've seen John Franklin Myers come around a couple of times, but again, it's like, it's tough for anyone on the defensive line to get sacks because of how quickly Lawson's beating Becton to get in the backfield. Like I, I, it's hard for other guys to rack up the numbers. Um, but it is a fully open competition. And we talked to Fant the other day. I think it was on Monday. I think it was it was when we talked to Fant. And we asked him, how are you feeling? And he made a comment of, you saw me in the scrimmage, didn't you? Which when he makes a comment like that, that tells me he had, a, again, while we didn't have the luxury of watching it over and over and over again like coaches would, that tells me Fant's performing pretty well. And, and the Jets didn't go and give him that money because they thought he was just some schlub or the last guy that was open. I mean, they really loved his potential. And be, his athleticism as a former basketball player should be highlighted and exemplified even more in this scheme that is meant to highlight and exemplify athleticism among the offensive linemen. So the Jets went out there and they got Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses was in there for the first two weeks of camp when Fant was on the COVID list. Now Fant's back and it is a fully open competition. And I don't necessarily know who has the edge because Moses is out there. Then Fant's out there. Moses is out there. Then Fant's out there. Moses is out there. I mean, it is a fully revolving door. And I think at some point, though, the Jets do need to settle on a player sooner rather than later, in my opinion, because the sooner you settle on a player, then that front five can start developing cohesiveness and chemistry. And obviously, that's something the Jets haven't had in years and years and years because of how this guy gets hurt and you guys in. This guy's signed. This guy's out. All that crazy stuff. They have to eventually settle on someone. And I would think they should settle on them relatively soon, probably after those Packer practices, personally, I would do it after the Giants game. I would say, you're my right tackle and figure it out. But they seem, and Salah said, that he's not worried about it and he's not going to rush to a decision and they're going to play the best person. And right now, I don't know who has the edge. I'll be able to tell a little bit more after the Packer practices and after we get some actual preseason film like this Giants game where I can go back and watch it a couple of times. But I truly believe, based off of what I've seen, it is a wide-open competition and it could very easily be Fant's job or it could very easily be Moses' job. And the preconceived notion like I had of this is Moses's gig, it clearly is not the case because this truly is a wide open competition. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Michael Dunn, I saw that comment about <laughs> missing the live reads. Uh, we'll throw in we'll throw in live reads. Um, I'm sure uh, as we go through the season, there'll be times when we don't have time. It allows for us to go on other tangents, like Connor's Denzel Mims rant. So we're not going right. on. It also, I haven't ran it like this since like uh, what do you call it? Since the Gase time. God, there were so many. <laughs> oh, how bad that team was! It also allows me I've to actually not have to read that, that horrible. Yeah, well, I think Jets fans do too. Okay, there's like parts um, that season I don't even remember. Like somebody made a comment about like I totally forgot James and Crowder threw a touchdown. Like I don't even remember that Brown. I think all I remember is Michael. Didn't Michael play? Didn't Dunn play that game? Michael got his first. Um, he had only played on special teams before that, so that was his first technically offensive snap. It yeah. was like a jumbo package. Yeah. Okay, so I, rem- I remember that part of it. They had no receivers in that game. Yes, that's true. I, but there's so many parts. Like, there is, like, I don't remember who they played in the middle of the season. Like, it's wild how much I just blocked that out. It's like, I can't even go back. That was, every, and the crazy thing was everyone was so miserable. Like, like the fan base was so miserable. And everyone was so upset and sad and mad at everyone. And it was like, this is not fun. This is not, oh, man. It was just holding on and just waiting until the end. And then they won a game and everybody got more miserable. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, that was it because it was the one shining light. It was the one yeah. like, well, at least they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. And then when that when they yeah. won that game, I remember having Dane on here and actually being like, I don't know how to, like, holy, holy hell. Like, it, just being like, they won. And I go, like, the one, the one pot. And I remember just feeling so bad, feeling so bad for Jet fans. But I mean, honestly, I think Zach's going to be good. I, do, I will put that out there. I do think Zach, Zach Wilson's going to be a good player. I do. Well, we, right. we got well, some games to another. talk about, right? New yeah. games. Yes. <laughs> right, because, I mean, it's one thing to watch them in practice and even the scrimmage, but I think, I mean, fans have to be just psyched for Saturday and to get to see Zach Wilson uh, in an actual, well, not real game, but in an actual preseason game against another team and just to see what he can do. I guess my first question, we'll get to just overall, Connor, what you're looking oh, forward wait, to Tim, seeing. Oh, wait, can I interrupt you real quick? Can I interrupt you real, really quick? Of course. 
I just I have I finally have my iPad set up again, so I've got all these. Marissa, can we get a uh, the pod does want to know? Can we get a Michael Dunn training camp clear? I was hoping the Browns were going to get uh, hard knocks again, so we could get a full Michael Dunn. Uh, what do you call it? But can we get a Michael Dunn update on how training camp's going for him, where he's working, like that kind of a thing, without without divulging too much of the uh, asking you to inadvertently break whatever Browns media policy it is. But let's get let's get a Michael. Well, Dunn we were literally about to go into a Jets preseason. Um, preview and now all of a sudden we've totally shifted gears but um camp is going very well he's been playing a lot which is great um uh they look like a really good team um (laughs) they have their first preseason game actually against trevor lawrence and those jaguars so i will actually be heading to jacksonville on friday for that the game's saturday (laughs) (laughs) jacksonville is not that bad connor connor is like too tough on jacksonville um, but yeah, he's been, he's been taking some reps at center. Um, he's been, he's been playing guard. Um, he's, he's doing a lot. So working second um, team, right? I think we can say that. Can't we? Are we allowed to say, yep. I think yeah, Brown, you can tweet the depth charts out. So he's working second team, which is good. Yeah. Second team um, and versatile is two good things for offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, they were, and when Joel, uh, Batonio rested yesterday, this is also out on Twitter. So this is, um, he was playing with the ones when Joel was resting. So that was that was good too. So you know he's got to fight, and it's tough to make the fifty-three man roster. There's you know he's got to prove himself in the preseason games, and there's still a lot to go. But fingers crossed. If Working he does, hard. I'm sure. If he doesn't, I'm sure there's a ton of subscribers right now that would cut <laughs> quite a few players on the Jets roster to get Michael Dunn over here. I'm sure that you, you would see an abundance of sixty-eight jerseys in the stands out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, so it's going well. Uh, excited for the preseason to start and. Uh, yeah, excited to excited to see what the Jets uh, are going to do in their preseason game against the Giants, who apparently have no offensive line. So well done, Marissa. I'm trying to well get it back done. on we, track. We we interrupt this Brown spring train, <laughs> uh, preseason report for more Jets content. Yes. Uh, what I was going to ask you, Connor, I like the segue. That was fun. So, but but anyway, what I was going to ask before we get to overall what you're looking for for this game is how much do you expect Zach Wilson to play in this game? Uh, I'm hopeful we're going to find that out tomorrow. I would assume he'll okay. play through the first quarter. I think the Jets will give him two series. I, I think if you, I think he'll get two series if he scores on the second series. You could see him come out. I mean, this isn't going to be a David Carr thing. This isn't going to be where they throw him out there for you know an entire half or something like that. They're not going to beat the kid down. They're not going to let him take shots. I mean, I think he'll play as long as the starting offensive line plays. So it'll be probably a, I could see him going into the second quarter, but I think you'll try. They're going to want to get him something that you can build on and. Three and outs aren't going to do that. So if you see, you know, the first series go three and out or the first series gets a first down, then a punt, and then the second series goes down and scores, I could see that being it. But I would say anywhere between, I'll go, I would say anywhere between three and four possessions out of guessing. Now, the Jets have not totally decided yet. They haven't met on that. They're meeting on that tonight and tomorrow. So we have training camp access tomorrow on Thursday. So we'll find out then how much how much Zach's going to play. But I would assume it'll probably be between three and four series, maybe a, maybe a full quarter or something like that. He's going to be the starter week one, and it's a shortened preseason now with just three games. Yeah. It feels like, you know, where do you get the guy the reps that he needs, right? With also not having him out there with the second strings. The, the lack of that fourth game really makes it tricky in this situation. It does. And I think that's why you're seeing all of these teams have joint practices because a lot of coaches did yeah. not like. Now, Sal is different. Sal likes them. A lot of coaches did not like joint practices because. The minute you start, it's almost like bulls when they see red. Like the minute you see another color, 
these guys are going to fight. Like, there's definitely going to be. I know, like, oh, LaFleur, the LaFleurs are brothers. There's going to be a fight. Like, it's absolutely going to happen. I mean, granted, Alex Lewis isn't with the team right now, so he would he would have fought the whole damn Packer roster, like, knowing that guy. But, like, they, I don't know if there's that many guys that are going to go crazy. Wesco seems to me like a guy that might throw some throw some fists down. I think he would be the one that I'd bet on on starting something. Maybe Jared Davis. Jared Davis is another guy that, that he's – He's a talker, and I can see him getting under some people's skin and laying the lumber and getting up and talking, and somebody's pushing, and then it's going to be a fight. But uh, there's definitely be a, a fight at some point, which is why they don't necessarily like them. But they are so much more valuable because you only gain so much going up against your defense every single day, and you only gain so much going up against your offense every single day. You need to see different looks. You need to see new offenses. You need to see new defenses. You need to see those things, and you can finally get it when you do these joint practices. And I think that's why you're seeing the Jets do that against the Packers then also do it against the Eagles. Next year, Salah said they're talking about doing them with the Giants as well, which would be kind of cool. Because I think the last time the Giants and Jets had joint practices when, like, Shockey fought the entire team or something like that. It went wild, like, way back when, in, like, 03, 04, 05, something like that. So uh, it is significantly more valuable. And like I said, that's what I can't wait to see because I want to see Zach Wilson against a different offense. I want to see Mekhi Becton against um, Zedaria Smith. I want to see... Elijah Moore against a different secondary. I want to see Corey Davis against a different secondary. I want to see the Jets defense against the non-rookie quarterback. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do to Bryce Hall or Bless Austin? Like, can they hang up? How is Bryce Hall or Bless Austin going to cover Devontae Adams? I want to see these things. I want to see this Jets run defense, which has kind of struggled. Like, we've talked a lot about how the Jets offensive line has been so good at run blocking, right? Well, is the Jets defensive line bad at stopping the run? Because if the Jets defensive line stops Aaron Jones... But then the Jets' offensive line also opens up. Well, then it's like, okay, well, no, the defense is actually in pretty good shape. You, you want to see Carl Lawson go up against a different offensive line, not just Mekhi Beckton where he's not a Shorter. You want to see him. You want to see yeah, Carl short. Lawson against this shorter yeah. left tackle. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be fun. And, and that's the value of these things. That's the value of everything is that you get a chance to see different looks. And they're so valuable now because there isn't that extra preseason game. You know what I mean? All right. I, I was going to ask the next question was, what were you most looking forward to seeing in this game? But I think you just took care of that one yeah, as well. I'm, so I'm overall, really though. Ooh. Go ahead. Uh, oh, the, that's just yeah, not the Mets. I thought the Mets came back. I thought the Mets, but I thought there was a rain. The Mets came to get delayed again. It's probably going to get canceled, whatever. Um, I, uh, I'll i tell you what I am excited for. I finished Outer Banks. That was the second season. Oh, we were just talking about that in the chat. Yeah. I'm on like episode four of the second. I'm glad you're paying it's attention good. to the, the podcast, yeah. Marissa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was in the chat chatting with my people yeah. about Outer Banks. It's actually like really oh, good. I love it. like, it's my I'm guilty always pleasure. skeptical about a season two after like a season one. So successful, you know, it was like the hype of quarantine, but I would say they've done such a good job. Like it's really entertaining so far. So don't no one give me any spoilers rom it's like Maybe a, a teenage rom-com mixed with like nicholas yeah. cage's uh uh yeah. um uh national treasure it's like nicholas cage's national treasure and teen rom-com and i'm obsessed with it like i'm obsessed with all the characters i love i love it I, I can't get enough of the outer bank so i can't wait for season three i finished that one up i, I stay up to like two and three in the morning binging i basically finished it in three days and that was during training camp where i've got to wake up super early to get to practice <laughs> And the one I'm on now is uh, Marissa. I know you're a big fan. It's Ted Lasso. I started oh, that with huge Bree. So actually, fan. As soon as oh. I, yeah, as soon as I close and here, Bree and I are gonna watch one. Another yeah. episode. I've been uh, I've been telling Mandy for weeks that we have to start watching Ted Lasso. It's good. And we're gonna too. So we can wait. Uh, you've never watched yep. it either, Tim. 
No, I, I haven't. Oh, I, my god! I don't know why. What am I like, doing? Like, through the pandemic, I never watched it. No I, I have no pods, idea why. No but. more pods until you guys watch Ted Lasso. I haven't watched the second season yet because the episodes are coming out weekly, and I kind of want to, like, binge it. Binge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the first season was incredible, so all this. That's what we did with the uh, the final season of The Good Place. We just waited until we could watch like, yeah. the entire thing in two days. Yeah, there's something special about that, binging so. everything all at once, for sure. Um, and we do have to make a mention to it. I, I believe there was a lot of talk earlier during Connor's rant, but Tim officially has three hats behind him on the wall now. Um, yes, and some shelves. The so no, the all the all the, the um, shelves shelves with baby stuff yes, on them. Baby yeah. McMasters. I'm gonna try to. We're gonna try to switch it out. Like baby stuff by day, football via podcast. I don't know. We'll and don't worry, we'll out. have we'll have a pool of um, when baby McMaster will arrive. Baby McMaster's gender. And you better start that pool. Baby soon, McMaster's yeah. gender and um, height and weight. And the winner will. Can we guess baby Baby McMaster's name oh, too? I mean, yeah, if you want, that's it's going to be Connor. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually going to be yeah. Denzel. It's going to be it's going to be Michael Dunn. It's going to be another Michael yeah. Dunn. We're yeah. get a third Michael Dunn. Perfect. <laughs> All right, does that do it? I think that does it. We're going to be back next week. We'll have a full recap of the Giants game, Probably of course, and Bay. whatever else that's is going be on. I have to bring my stuff. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please. Reminders and set an alarm or something for oh, yourself yeah. to, to bring yeah. stuff. And I, I hear the fashion over there is socks with Crocs. In case anyone yes. was following that on, in case anyone was following yeah. that on Twitter yesterday, the Athletics uh, Packers writer uh, Matt Schneidman, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He wears Crocs. He wore yeah. socks. A, with uh, Crocs another a Syracuse grad, by the way. Yeah, so he wore socks with Crocs to practice. No, I'm not surprised. And Aaron Rodgers was picking on him and he tweeted something out and then Aaron Rodgers responded. It was this whole funny bit on uh, Twitter yesterday. I don't own own Crocs. I will not own Crocs. (laughs) That uh, is not my thing. I will not claim it to be like on the, I'm not going to be on the next cover of GQ here, but I will not wear Crocs. That is. (laughs) Well, Aaron Rodgers will appreciate that. I draw the line of like flip flops. And even then I have one (laughs) and like, that's, that's it. All right. Well, as long as uh, you has also been mocked on. Uh, he's also been mocked on Twitter for looking like somebody from the 1800s. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, so he's had a rough. I'm not he's had a rough couple weeks on yeah, Twitter. We have to bring him on the pod. Do they have a Packers? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a Packers product? We do. We do. We do. I am a producer of that one as well. Head of the pack. Head of, so. head of the pack. Yep. yep. If you want to check out what the Packers are up to, just download all of the podcasts that I work on, please. I would really appreciate that. There you go. And <laughs> you can save your feed. Yep. And you can save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic as well. Just go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. That's going to do it for us. I think we've dragged this thing out long enough. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week on the Can't Wait Podcast.